Hey everyone, welcome to Talcast. I'm your host, Tal, and this is my podcast. So today, tonight I should say, I got to chat with one of my buddies, Chuck Emery, from the band Brother. Um, they have a new single coming out tomorrow called Ain't Over You, and we had a super awesome conversation. Chuck is a really good dude, really good songwriter, very talented, good at distilling down songs to their core essence and really selling them. And I really love those guys. I love what they do. And you probably, if you know me, you've probably seen me post on my Instagram stories about brother. Cause I feel like they are a really pure and good thing that's happening in the world right now. Um, even though Chuck recently sold his soul to the devil, I just found out literally on this podcast and that's something that we discussed. So you're going to want to stick around for that. We also talk about why you should double wrap your burritos always. Um, we talk about low points in music, high points in music, talk about gear, songwriting, lots of fun stuff. And I think you're going to enjoy it. Um, I put links to Brothers Music in the show notes because I really want people who haven't heard their stuff to go check it out. It's kind of an indie rock, groovy, groove-based, good time. And, um, yeah, you really should check it out. You really should. And so if there's nothing else that I should cover, we will hop into my combo with Chuck. Thanks for listening, guys. Like and subscribe. All right, Chuck, we're recording. How goes it, dude? So good. It goes so good. Good. Um, are you, you're still in Provo, right? Yeah. Sweet. How's, uh, like, how's the music scene as far as lockdown and stuff there as of today? As of today, I don't know. It's really hard to tell. Like, it seems like there is a lot of people trying to make things happen, which is cool. Yeah. Um, and then it seems like things just keep getting shut down. Kind of like people are working hard to try and make shows happen and and people are recording a ton and it's really cool to see. Mm -hmm. Um, but it just gets hard because of you know, current situation. Yeah, it's super tough. I feel like you like at least the way it is out here from what I've observed, is it's like you kind of don't know what's illegal until you try and do something and then the government steps in and is like, No. So yeah, I don't know. Um, let's not dwell on that for too long though because it bums me out um, before, we, before we discuss your music specifically um, I reached out to some of our mutual friends and I got some questions that I'm supposed to ask you from them so I crowdsourced some questions nice um, I'm nervous don't, don't be nervous but uh, okay so here's the first question that I'm supposed to ask you would you rather meet a ghost, an alien, or a mythological creature? Oh, I love this. I love this question. <laughs> um, I think it's always been, it really depends on the situation. Like, it depends on what kind of alien we're talking about. But it's usually alien in any situation. I mean, what are the different kinds of aliens? Oh, don't even get me started. They the, have the, uh, a classic, like, gray alien that's, like, skinny with the big head and big eyes. Right. You have, like, your reptilian, like, lizard, lizard whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have, like, the Nordic alien. So, like, yeah, there's those kind. Obviously, the gray and the lizard people are the most scary because you don't know what they're capable of. Right. But, yeah. Know. I mean, from what I hear, the lizard people, they like walk among us and they look like us, but they're actually lizard people. But yeah. I mean, I have yet to, I've yet to confirm or, or corroborate that story, but, uh, okay. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm just reading these texts. Here's another one. He's afraid of bees. Try to use that to your advantage on the podcast. Is that a question? No. <laughs> It's just a statement, and I wanted you to elaborate on your fear of bees. Because, like, I think any rational person should be afraid of bees. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, people that are into bees, nothing against them. Nothing against bees. I, I, don't, I feel like I know who wrote this, possibly, but I can't be certain. Um, but bees are scary, not because they can sting you. That's like a scary point, but it's like lots of things can hurt you. You know, you can get scratched by anything. But like, um, just like the buzzing is so scary to me. Like, Anything that buzzes, especially if it gets close to your ear, just scares the bejeebies out of me. Interesting. Um, that's like the first time I've heard someone say they're afraid of bees because of the buzzing. But like, I respect that, you know? Like, I'm afraid of a lot of things. So, way to be vulnerable. Yeah. I kind of force that right. on you. But, but, um, <laughs> that's all right. No, dude, I'm, I'm learning to live with it. Yeah. You'll get that, there. man. I went into a beehive and I would just stood there and swarm around me. And then that's that's why your single's called Honey, right? Yeah, it's cool. to get over my my fear. That's what I figured. Um, so I have a couple more of those, but I want to like kind of sprinkle them in as we get going on to music stuff. So I feel like. I want to talk a lot about like your process and how you do songwriting, what inspires you. I feel like I've been a fan of yours and the bands for a long time because for me, it's really hard. Or it's one of the hardest parts about songwriting for me is like getting dialing into kind of like the core essence of the song and like mm-hmm. letting that, I guess, what am I trying to say here? It's not like only simplicity, but I feel like all of my favorite bands, it seems like my favorite songs by them and typically like most of their catalog, there's like never anything extra that doesn't need to be there. And so it feels like they've like distilled it to like the essence of the song. And I feel like one thing I really like about your songwriting and what Brother does is that thing. And it's really hard to describe what it is, but I feel like I... I find it in your music. So I want to talk about your process. Um, but first question would be like, what, what motivates you to write? Oh, I, I feel like that's like has changed over time. And obviously like it changes over like, I don't know, kind of what is going on in your life. Sure. But it's like, the biggest one I think for all, all of us that are songwriters is just like, it's just being depressed and it's like just a way to like release kind of what's going on. Like Word. for some reason it feels way better than just like talking to somebody. It's a, if I could get it out in some sort of poetry or art, it feels much more, I don't know, cathartic, I guess. Um, I mean, changing now, it's not so much as like that sadness or whatever, but more of like a, like uh, I have all of these sounds and all of, all of these like instruments at my disposal. Like, what can I do? Cause it's like, I know this is what I do. Like, let's see if I can make my masterpiece or whatever. Cool. Or, I don't know. That's kind of what it's been lately. So when you're writing, does it typically start with like, is it like you and an acoustic guitar or is it like you have like a beat that you're working on with like some weird soundscape? Like where, where do you start from? Yeah, I'd say it's always like I'm such a new gear guy. That's like you get a new piece of gear and you can just you make something up from that. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it's usually that. Uh, other times it's just like a drum beat and then just playing bass over it, trying to make something sound cool. And then you end up everything just ends up like falling together and it comes together really nicely. But, that's but cool. Yeah, man, I'm all about that new new gear game. Yeah, gear is, it's fun. I feel like I, I mean, I like am only a guitar player, so I don't, I feel like I haven't gotten a ton into like buying different synthesizers and like messing around with different soundscapes. So I I feel like I haven't been bit as hard by the gear bug, but I feel like it would be interesting. I feel like there's a new like generation of musicians where it, it seems like you can feel that that's like the inspiration, like, I feel like Tame Impala is a, is a big example to me. Like mm-hmm. I listen to those records and they're like 
so groovy and you can just tell he found like the best sounding synthesizer and like mm-hmm. wrote a beat and then it just all sprawls from there and that's really yeah. intriguing to me i think it's cool i think you guys do it really well yeah i think i think he's also one of those guys that uh, like just drops because he plays drums too you know like yeah i think he drums on a drum kit and then he's like oh i like the way that sounds and then just layers everything else on top of that which yeah. i think is cool but I mean, recently for me, I've been getting more into like to synths and just like how they work because that's something I never really understood. I still and don't understand we, it. So, what, yeah, tell, dude, tell me, how does it work? Some of it's wild. I don't know. Like, I've I've been buying stuff. Like, I bought like this guy, this like little tiny guy. For those of you who are listening, he's holding up like a little cord. Like, what is that? A drum machine, or is it just like no. a little? So it's like the Korg like mini log, but it's the mini mini version of the mini log. No way. Yeah. And so I've been messing with this and then because of this, I like feel like I understand how synths work now. I'm like, this makes so much more sense. Dude. And, maybe I should get one of those little ones because I feel like my barrier to entry with synths is like they have so many knobs. Yeah. Like for me, if a guitar, if there are more than like three knobs on a guitar or a pedal, I'm like out, dude. I, I feel like it like scrambles my brain and I can't do it. Same. It's just it's like I have to turn if there's more knobs, I have to like turn all of them up to a hundred just to <laughs> see what they all do. Yeah. And there's some turn to a hundred and you're like, I have no idea what this is doing even. <laughs> For real. Like, I don't know if I <laughs> understand completely, but yeah. yeah that's cool i mean um i've heard i talked to someone recently who bought a new guitar pedal and then they decided to start a whole new band because of the way that guitar pedal sounds Whoa. and i think that's there's like something really beautiful about that to me like that you can yeah. hear something like new sonically and then it like opens up like this whole world in your mind of like a new space where you can create you know yeah I think yeah i've been into lately with like this there's like a specific sound that i found and for some reason i just feel like it works with everything and so i've been putting it into every single song yeah and i'm like dude this thing like hopefully like this pedal never breaks because i will never get the sound ever again that's all yeah i feel like i hear that on your guys's new stuff like there's lots of cool soundscape stuff but it's not too busy you know i feel like a lot of Mm -hmm one of my complaints about people who get super into artsy different gear is there's like so much yeah that they put on each song but i feel like you guys do a good job of like there's interesting sounds but it's never like overcrowded which i think is cool thank you um so you said you're motivated kind of by like depression slash new gear um, what would you say is the hardest part about being a musician or like being in a band for you? Um, for me, just like how much work there is like beyond music. Yeah. You just get burnt out and stuff. Cause it's like, I don't know. I think it's a lot of, a lot of people don't realize like a lot of musicians, like they got to keep up with social media. Like they have to have a website. They have to like, come up with all of this extra art on top of their own art. I mean, a lot of people like they have um, good friends or like your, your sister-in-law who was helping do um, artwork and everything, which is super cool. Um, But there's some artists that's just like, they like slave over, over just trying to work and trying to be noticed or trying to get their stuff in front of people. Um, or the most amount of people possible. And I think that's like, that's the hardest thing for me is just work because it turns into a job after that, you know? For sure. I feel like I talked to someone from a record label like a year ago Mm -hmm. and we like shot the breeze about music and what I like to do and like what I'm doing with stuff. And then they're like, so how many followers do you have? Like, and all they really, all, like, it was just interesting because all the, you could tell that the only sort of like A&R conversation came down to mm-hmm. social media numbers, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of where it's, 
where we're at now, you know, yeah. a new where, where the amount of followers you have determines how much credibility you have. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it's, it's hard for me because I feel like, um, I spend so much time in my room just trying to write and like trying to perfect my craft. Yeah. And I feel like I, I totally relate, like trying to, trying to deal with the burnout of like working on promotion is, is really hard. Plus it's yeah. like, it's, it's vulnerable too, you know, cause mm-hmm. not everyone's going to like what you do and that's just life, I guess. Yeah. yeah there, it's, it's the weird type of work, I guess. Cause you start to get like spread really thin because you're like i want to put all my heart into into making this song but then it's like oh but i want to put all my heart into making this music video or into doing the cover art because like you want all of it to be meaningful rather than just like the song's really good but the cover art sucks and so nobody listens right. to the song because they don't like the art or something i don't know no for sure i've never been <laughs> but <laughs> i'm sure there's people out there that are like dude this cover art sucks i'm not listening to the song yeah, I feel like it does play a role. Like I, one thing I was noticing the other day is I was scrolling through spot. Like I'll sometimes I'll pop onto Spotify playlists that I don't ever really listen to, like in genres that I'm just not that into, and I'll like mm-hmm. scroll through and just try and see like what what's in like the zeitgeist. Because a lot of the music that I really really like is kind of faded out of popularity or is like on the fringes. So I feel like mm-hmm. on Spotify, I've noticed that on like the really popular playlist, like the artwork seems to have similar elements in it. You know what I mean? And I feel like there's certainly like a, an internet aesthetic thing that goes into yeah. music, even beyond like Facebook, you know, like it's on Spotify for sure. Um, what about like, what's your favorite thing about doing what you do? It's the best. Um, Dude, recently, uh, something that's made me really happy is that we've been getting some messages of people that said that came to a live show. And a lot of it's a live show. Like, they came to our live show and it inspired them to start playing music or to start pursuing music again. And that's been, like, so rewarding. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That, like more specifically, there's a um, I got a message from from a girl that said like her and her husband just moved uh, to Utah from like Wisconsin or something, and they their first show was one that we played like right when COVID hit, and it said that like her husband like wanted to start playing guitar again and started writing music and is actually like releasing gonna release some music but he was playing at the same venue that we were. And she's like, I'm so excited for him. Like, this is so cool and stuff. Like, and I'm so glad that we came to your show and like got that inspiration. Yeah, man, that's that's awesome. That's super beautiful. Yeah, yeah, I feel like another thing that I really like about your guys' music, and I'm sorry if taking compliments is weird for you. I know it's weird for me, but like, I really like, (laughs) just deal with it, dude. I I really like, I feel like there's something really cool about, cause I mean, I've like, we played gigs together, right? On the same bill. And I've seen you guys play a bunch. And I feel like you have a, a really cool like groove that you lock into live. Mm-hmm. Um, that I was talking, yeah, I was talking to my little brother about this a while back. Like it's really interesting how I love your guys' recorded music and I, I it's awesome. But I feel like there's this, extra like x factor thing you guys have live where you like lock in together and maybe that's just um a byproduct of you having played together for a hot minute now and like played a bunch of shows and really locked in but i feel like not every band has that but you guys definitely do so thank you man yeah you're welcome um it's good to inspire other people um how about we're going to go back to a negative question. What would you say is the lowest point of your music career so far? Like, has it always been with brother that you've been doing stuff? Um, basically. Yeah. Like, I mean, before brother, I was in a band that we played like two shows. Okay. So, so mostly then. Yeah. So mostly. The lowest just, point. 
than with brother? I think it's now. <laughs> Shoot, dude, I'm sorry. Yeah, it, no, yeah, it, it sounds bad, but it's like we were supposed to have like a really good year this year, as like everybody was, you know? Yeah. But it's like we had a full like big tour planned. Like we were supposed to go to to South by Southwest and tree for and we had a lot of things planned and it all kind of fell through and so we had to re-evaluate and re just kind of figure out like replan how to do everything and when things were going to come out and i mean we had a lot of momentum and like i feel like we still do but it feels like everything's so slow and so like even though people are at home and have nothing to do like it still feels like like that's like the last thing people want to do is is to listen to your song or something i don't know that's just what it feels like i don't know if that's necessarily true yeah at like this point in time but yeah man i mean i'm sorry to hear that i certainly i can relate to some degree like i released an album in march <laughs> i moved to new york and i was like all right I'm out here. I'm going to play shows. Yeah. <laughs> and I had one, I had one, <laughs> show, <laughs> I had one show on the books and then yeah. we locked down like a week before I was supposed to play. And, um, yeah, I feel like a lot of people are feeling that right now. Um, hopefully there's going to be some more high points for both of us. No, I, I sure hope so. I mean, like, especially for you, cause I feel like you put a lot on the line, like, move into a whole different state, especially because it's like New York's a big music state, you know? Yeah. Big music. And so that's just hard going out there and then getting punched in the face. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been weird because it's like yes and no. I feel like I was in a really weird spot in my life when mm -hmm. I left. And I felt like I was like, in a lot of ways, I felt like I was like at the end of my rope. Um, yeah. And... So I feel like being here has actually been refreshing, even though I haven't done as much music as I wanted to. I feel like I still feel pretty blessed because I've been able to like meet some new people and kind of like shift gears in my life a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, like I don't know. So I feel like I'm hoping, and I talked to Eli about this the other day, Eli, who's our mutual friend. We, we share some, bandmates i guess you could say we have like yeah. a polyamorous uh bandmate situation the drummer for brother and the bassist for brother which i think he's your bassist i don't really know what the situation is now but used to be my drummer and my bassist or used to be in the band that i was in it's not like i own them as slaves but but uh, <laughs> um i was just talking to them and i'm i'm still hoping that i can figure out the lay of the scene here and that we can get some of the Utah bands out here to play like you guys, you know, like I know you came out and did the so far sounds thing, but like a real venue show would be, that'd be so sick. Really sweet. Yeah. Um, okay. So the lowest, the low point is now, which won't yeah. last forever, but what are some, what are some high points of brother's career prior to COVID just ruining everything? <laughs> um, I think obviously some high points are signing a record deal, which is pretty cool. Um, it just kind of feels like, I don't know, like we took another step towards like where we want to be yeah. and everything. And so that feels, it feels really good. And it feels like we have just a, a, a little bit more credibility, like under our belt. Um, but you know with that comes some more pressure i guess to be like to be really good and to to try and like outdo anything you've done in the past and stuff like that but do i don't know like that's, you get, do you get pressure from the label or do you feel like it's just pressure you put on yourself or where does that come from oh it's definitely from myself <laughs> yeah uh, yeah like uh, it's kind of a weird feeling because it feels like and it's a good kind of pressure, I think, um, even though it kind of hurts me, like, emotionally slash physically. <laughs> but, uh, it's like you really want to, one, make something that you're proud of. Yeah. Two, you want to make something that the label likes. And then 
like you feel like if the label likes it, then you know people are gonna like it. Totally. Um, or at least some people are gonna like it. Like you said, there's always gonna be those people that that don't, and that's fine. You know, like I don't like most things that I write anyway. So hopefully, <laughs> there's people that do like it. But I don't know. Yeah, it's a fun kind of pressure, I guess. Good. I'm glad it's fun. Yeah, I feel like I can relate to the the concept of no one is a harsh as harsh of a critic of what I do than me. Yeah. So like. I feel like I've never gotten some sort of a critique or hate from someone that I didn't already like give to myself like tenfold. So yeah. I'll, I'll have people give me a suggestion. I'm like, well, I could have told you that in like a way meaner way. My inner, that my inner dialogue is saying to myself, you know? So no, it's true. Or it's like people, they give you a suggestion, but it's like, yeah, dude, I, I know I already thought of that. And <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like, and and I'm not that good to do that or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like I didn't plan this question, but do you? Can you remember like the harshest critique you've gotten from someone off the top of your head? I'm trying to think if I can for myself. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like and nothing against my wife, <laughs> April, <laughs> but I feel like I always take it hardest from her because I know that it's true. Like it's not just like BS or anything. Right. And it's like when people offer critique, it's like, oh, yeah, that's fine. Um, but it's like, it's already done, so I can't really do anything. Mm-hmm. But then when I her, it's like, yeah, that's not very good. It's like, okay, well, what am <laughs> I doing? <laughs> Should I just quit music? Should I just work at Target? What do you want me to do? So that's interesting. I'm gonna work at Target. Right. Target's great. They used to have, yeah. they have great popcorn, actually. Um, if you ever tried the Target popcorn, it's a uh, really, really good Target popcorn. Um, that's crazy. So you feel like do you do you play her stuff before anyone else hears it and base if you're going to use it off her opinion or what's that like? Um, sometimes, yeah, it's like uh, I'll demo something out and I'll have her listen to it, and she'll say either she likes it or she doesn't like it. But either way, I still move forward. <laughs> like, <laughs> She's like, oh, that's not me. And then it's like, okay, cool. Like, well, it's not finished. And I give her all these reasons why it doesn't suck. And then uh, try to record it and then show her later. And she's like, oh, yeah, this sounds way better. Or like, she was expecting something different. I think that's maybe the most fun part is writing something and then proving her wrong. There you go. Love you. <laughs> yeah. Chuck's looking at the door. Like, if she's hopefully, I mean, if she listens to this, we love you, April. You're amazing just you know um i that's interesting because i really have a hard time letting people into like my really vulnerable creative space as far as writing especially when there's something new that i'm doing um Mm -hmm. like i remember i have i've had a couple relationships where the girl i was dating like i would be like hey i'm gonna go I can't hang out today cause I'm going to be in the studio for like 10 hours or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, Oh, well, I'll just come with you. <laughs> and I'm like, well, no, you're not, you're not coming actually. <laughs> and uh, so I give you props for making that work. Cause I haven't, I have yet to like be able to let someone in, in that way. I don't know. Yeah. There, no, there's definitely a weird thing about like, I like, I just want people to see the finished product. Sure. Because they're like, you know, that's the thing that they want to hear rather than like forming opinions before it's fully finished or like in its final form or whatever. No, I feel that. Yeah. So. Um, for sure. It's, it's tough. And I feel, but at the same time, I feel like I'm always trying to find friends or like people that I can trust with to either see the potential in an unfinished product or like shoot something down. That's like, you know, because yeah. I feel like, I don't know if you feel this way, but to some degree, people are always going to tell you that the finished product is great because they kind of know you can't really change it. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like I always wonder that, like I'll, if I play someone a record and like, they're like, wow, this is amazing. Like I, I've wondered, you know, I always want to know. It's like, I want to know, but I also don't want to know their true yeah. honest opinion. And it's good to have people that, are straight up with you, you know? I, I think that's one thing I've liked um, about Nate specifically 
Nate, our, our long-haired guitarist, keys guy, drum guy, secret weapon, is so that I can see. Kind of, before you say what you like about him, can you like talk about his role in the band just so people know? Yeah. So Nate, in, Nate is our doctor. <laughs> no, so Nate, he, he plays guitar and keys live. He used to be our drummer. Uh, and then moved to guitar and is playing both keys and guitar. Um, but he also does all of the, um, the engineering on our tracks. Uh, so we go to his home studio and record with him. And then recently he's been mixing um, our tracks as well. So like our track Oxidate um, was me and Nate in his home studio. Uh, we tracked everything and he mixed it and then we sent it off to be mastered but that's awesome yeah. he's uh he's our secret weapon because he can play everything and he just knows he knows what's up so. yeah he's awesome i love me cool cool thing about me is that i can send him the most just god-awful track that i demoed on garage band and and it like i know that they sound bad because i've gone back and listened to them and i'm like this is so dumb <laughs> but I said, thinking like dude this this is so cool like this is badass dude like you want a piece of this and he's like yeah this is pretty rad so he always sees that there's like good in it that's <laughs> which awesome. is fun that's and then cool. we work on i don't think he's ever said like oh this track isn't that great or maybe he just doesn't text back i don't know yeah um, <laughs> that's awesome that he i feel like everyone needs like a good friend that they trust to to send their raw material to um yeah, yeah I, was, I've I was had, talking about that too just with nate i guess he's like a good balance between what we do um which is fun to see on from like outside eyes but i guess i get a little crazy in the studio and want to have like the craziest sound like everything is everything's turned up to 11 or whatever and we yeah. do the the craziest i don't know thing and then nate will kind of like tone it back and be like well this fits better or like this is what it actually needs to sound like. And so he's a good guy in that way. So when you guys are recording, is it typically just the two of you or are you, cause I know that like you're the main songwriter and you kind of run the show as far as that goes, but do you ever have the whole band in on it or is it typically just you and Nate? Uh, typically it's just us two. Okay. And then we have everyone, um, they they come in just on the days that they can make it and the times that they can they can come and stuff. So um, Erica and Eli um, both come when they can make it. Um, Scott doesn't usually come around just because he does drums first and then he's kind of out of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he wants to be there. I just never thought to invite him just because it's like, well, I mean, you can come and hang out and do whatever you want. Like same thing for everybody. It's like, we love input and we'll, I don't know, try everyone's ideas and stuff, but it's typically just me and Nate. Gotcha. That's, that's interesting. Cause so the way that I know Chuck for people listening is I used to be in this band, gray glass, which we had a, in one of the previous podcasts, we had like a powwow where we talk about how all that went down, but um that's very different from the way that we approach things it was like very kind of democratic and like all of us were in typically in the room um so it's always interesting for me to hear how different bands go about it um i feel like one thing that i've always admired about what you guys do as well and is that there's like a (laughs) I don't want to throw myself under the bus too much here, but I will like you guys have a very like fun energy with you kind of at all times when you're together. I don't know if you're aware of that or if you like try to cultivate that. Um, I am not good at that. <laughs> Sorry. What do you, what, do you, what do you mean? You're not good at it. So I feel like my approach to music is like, I get very intense and I'm like very perfectionistic, which 
is so I don't know, like I'll be like typically when, when I get in the studio, I'm like having the time of my life, but you can't tell because I'm just like so in the zone and kind of like focused. Um, and I think that if I'm being totally honest with myself, I think that it's like burned out some of my bandmates mm-hmm. because like, to me, the funnest thing ever is to sit down for like three hours and perfect a guitar part and like not even show any sort of emotion while I'm doing so. I'm just like, so like in my brain, but I feel like whenever I've hung out with you guys, it's always like super fun and like super, it's kind of like a party and um, the product is still really good. So do you do anything to, to cultivate that? Are you aware of that? Um, I don't know. I think when, the, you know, this, like when you go into a studio and you just have those days where things are just like, dude, everything just flows mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, it needs this. And like the first thing that you do sounds so good. And yeah. like everything just keeps piling on top of each other. You're like, yeah, this is sick. Yeah. that's um, Yeah. It's usually, we usually try to like strive for that. And when it's just me and Nate, usually we get to this point where we're just like, it's really fun and we're just like screaming because we're like this is so sick and like i don't know it it always ends up with those moments that are like somebody does something and everyone turns their heads and looks at each other and they're like dude that was it like that was yeah that was the coolest thing i've ever seen i think we always strive for that i mean when it doesn't happen it's usually because like someone's tired or we're hungry or cold or some sort of outside influences yeah bringing the vibe but yeah usually that's the big one usually what hungry yeah it's usually hunger or just being tired and because we usually record at night which isn't the best practice because everyone that's when everyone's hungry and tired but yeah for sure i'm very very much a believer of in believer in only making important decisions while i'm on a full stomach because I have like a normal baseline of crippling depression, <laughs> but like even more so when I'm hungry, you know? Yeah. Like food just keeps the demons at bay. It really does in like the most miraculous way sometimes. Like sometimes during a studio session, like you go get a burrito and you come back and you listen to where you're at and you're like, oh, this actually sounds, this is actually pretty good, you know? Your ears reset from from rice and beans. Yeah. I got it. I still have to get my burrito double wrapped. I feel oh, yeah. so bad. So I I did that twice. Chuck, uh, well, so back when Grey Glass was still a thing, we did a mini tour to my homeland of San Diego. We went down. I guess we went down through where where were we? St. George and then San Diego. But um, this is the most important part of the podcast. I'm so glad you brought this up because this <laughs> this is why we did this. Okay. You, everyone. This is the whole reason we've been on this tour. Was <laughs> yeah. to do this. This piece of advice that I'm about to give to all our listeners, it will change your life forever. Um, when you order a burrito, get it double wrapped, okay? Which means two tortillas, because then there's no leakage, okay? Because no one wants a leaky burrito. That's the last thing you want ever. It's a burrito just leaking on you also the ratio of tortilla taste to in internal burrito ingredients taste is perfect whereas like one one tortilla is a little off kilter so i've been trying to convince chuck for a long time now actually i mean when did we go on that tour it's been it's been a hot minute and you, yeah it's been like two years <laughs> year and a half i don't know how long it's been but I feel like on that whole tour, you were just teasing me and you like wouldn't order your burrito double wrapped. Like you kept forgetting. <laughs> I, I, yeah, we show up, we get the first burrito and you told me right before I went to get it, you're like, yeah, get it double wrapped. I was like, okay, sick. And I walked back to the table and I was like, I didn't get a double wrapped. And so, <laughs> and so I talked to my wife and I was like, hey, like I'm still hungry because we shared that burrito. Like, let's get a second one and I'll get it double wrapped this time. I can go in, order the second burrito and I'll walk back out and I'm like, damn it, you've got to be kidding me. I did not get a double wrap and I still haven't, I still haven't partaken of, of the DW. I feel the like, DW. 
you know, like, honestly, a lot of my advice is worthless, but I feel like this one piece of advice, I have yet to advise someone on getting a double wrap burrito when they haven't gotten it and then implemented that strategy for the rest of their life, as far as I know. Mm -hmm. So like Talcasters, like that's literally the only thing you should ever, only piece of advice you should ever take seriously from me is to double wrap your burrito. I need to double wrap. I'm a believer, but it's like, I haven't, you know, like I haven't had like the, the experience. It's like an alien. I believe in it. It's an alien thing. You're like, I want to believe that they're out there, but you haven't been abducted yet. Like I know, I know it's real, but just waiting for my time. Right. Um, And I hope that there's some more tours in our future and that I can show you the ways and you can make sure that it's like still fun for everyone. And I'm not like bringing (laughs) everybody down with my overly intense uh, ways, you know? (laughs) Well, that's what we're naming our next album, though, is, is Double Rap. Double Rap Rio. You guys, I want on the cover of that album, I want it to be every member of Brother, but you guys are all wrapped up in a burrito with two tortillas. <laughs> yeah, I love that. No, we're going to have a, we're going to send out vinyls, but instead of a, instead of actual, like, the wax, it's going to be, for the record, it's just going to be two tortillas. That'd be amazing. Right. Shoot that idea over to the label and let me know what they say. I'll do. They'll love it. I have them on speakerphone right now. They're like, this is gold. <laughs> Perfect. Um, let's see. I'm looking through, looking through my questions here. What, what's the favorite, favorite brother song? Let's, let's go with stuff you released thus far, but what's your favorite song you guys have done? Um, I think it's our song Oxidate. I think okay. it's my favorite. It's a banger. I think, yeah, I feel like it just, I li- I've listened to it like in the car, like after not listening to it for a while. And I'm like, yeah, dude, this song feels good. Like, I like this a lot. It's good. And I've never done that before with a song. So it's very, it's monumental. It's progress. Yeah, I feel like, um, was it Oxidate or Don't Worry that came out first? Uh, don't Worry. Okay. I feel like Don't Worry, is, in my mind at least, is in a similar class with Oxidate where I've always loved you guys, but I feel like when I heard those two songs, I was like, they're like level, they're leveling up, you know? And I was like, and that's not, doesn't come from a place of looking down on any of your stuff. It's just like, I was excited when I heard that music because I was like, this is, this feels like new territory for brother, you know? Like we're, push, we're pushing ourselves and trying some new things and stuff. Yeah, and I, I think it's paying off. I think you guys have a super bright future. Um, and I tell, I tell a lot of people that basically everyone I know, I usually tell them to listen to your stuff. And um, I'm, I'm a very, I'm like very selective. I guess like I, sh- I share friends' music relatively regularly, but mm-hmm. I really am pretty selective about like who I like really recommend. And um I really like you guys' stuff. I think you guys have something special. So, um, just along the same lines, uh, me and April, we listened to to your last record um, a lot. It always comes on my uh, especially uh, the "Kill Me Slower." We listen to that a lot, and we always sing it. <laughs> I appreciate that. She always says, and I think I told you this before, but she, April, always says. I gotta get a job, but I hate the postman. It's like, it's like the words. She's like, I know. All right. You know what? Artistic license. You know, she can do whatever she wants with it. She's just doing her thing. Living her best life. Weirdly, and I I wouldn't have, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like Kill Me Slower feels like a little bit in like Brothers Ballpark, like sonically, more so than like anything I've ever done before, right? Like, um so that's kind of funny i wouldn't have ever expected that like i've always respected you guys and respected your sound but i always have been more of like a let's make it as heavy and dirty sounding as possible you know and i definitely haven't really been doing that lately and it's kind of actually really fun for me so the last song is is uh is really good i like it just the instrumentation on it is 
is awesome. Yeah, it's a fun one. So I appreciate you guys spinning it. Um, I hope that... And lyrically. Lyrically, it's great. Thank Favorite you. word, aspartame. Aspartame? <laughs> Caffeinated aspartame. So I actually got some, some hate on Twitter because of that lyric. Really? Um, so do you remember that one time when Anthony Fantano retweeted one of my tweets? Do you yeah. remember that? Yeah. So I basically like tweeted something at him in hopes that he would retweet it so that I could like plug my music in the comments. Cause his like fan base is massive. Right. Mm-hmm. And I put that song in the comments and like people were most part complimentary, but there was this one kid who was like, dude, like, aspartame isn't caffeinated like the soda's caffeinated it's not the actual aspartame that's caffeinated like that lyric doesn't make any sense <laughs> some troll on twitter it was just funny like i was like dude i like get it like i'm sorry yeah, dude i know <laughs> but yeah lyrics are fun um yeah. well dude um you guys have a new single coming out tomorrow yeah. What, right, what at midnight your time? What uh what's it called? Tell people about it. Why should they be excited, Chuck? It's called Ain't Over You and uh it's a, I think it's one of my favorites um because it's based off of a really nasty night of sleep paralysis that I had. Whoa. And uh, yeah, I mean I could go into more depth about that. Please do. Please do. Will. So there's a night and I had had sleep paralysis before. This is when I was like 16 and I could like, I can feel the nights that it's going to like show up or that it's going to happen. Um, which sounds weird. makes me sound like some like psychic medium or something, but <laughs> there was a night and I felt like it was going to happen and I was fine with that. But this was like the scariest night of that like everything was so intense but i was and i was laying in my bed and i was half asleep and you can hear like white noise like there's always like white noise going on right and all of a sudden it just like vacuum nothing it just went to just quiet no and i whispered out loud while i was asleep so it went and i said i'm of the devil and like my eyes shot open and I went Whoa. straight into paralysis. And so my body was shaking and vibrating. And I uh, remember seeing like a shadow figure, like staring at me. And it felt like my whole life, like the whole world was just flushing down a toilet. And it was the scariest night of my life. And I've like, I, I think about it from time to time and stuff. And I'm recently, I was like, dude, I want to put this into a song. And so um the, there's parts in the song is like in the intro uh and then towards like the the bridge where we cut the master volume so then it all like dips out and it's just completely quiet there's no like amp noise and there's there's no anything um which is kind of fun so being able to put that in there and then lyrically it just talks about myself laying there shaking and dying but being that or comparing that to like selling my soul to the devil. <laughs> Dude, like, I love this so much. I'm freaking <laughs> out over here. That's amazing. It's yeah. It like goes along with like possibly like, what if I sold my soul to the devil and like my, not necessarily a life calling, but like a life curse, like I have to make music or something. And so that's where like the lyrics, like ain't over you. Like I could never get over making music because like I'm not allowed to or something like that. Whoa. Okay, so here's a question. Yeah. Do you believe in all of like the Satanism in music stuff? Like, are you a believer in that? I'm not saying that it's like you worship it, but. <laughs> um, I don't know. I've been really into lately, like the whole selling your soul for fame and fortune slash the 27th club. Okay. And how they've like, how they kind of go together. And so I'd say somewhat a believer, I, I guess. I don't know. Because, like, for, those, for the people listening who don't know, like, 
rock and roll music. And I don't know why this is the case. So like Robert Johnson, who was like the first popular blues guitar player, he's this um, black guy who he was like so good at the guitar. And I don't know if it was like a white people wanted to create some sort of like a racist reason why he actually could be good at something. Like, I don't know if it was a racism thing, but um, he supposedly the, like the rumor goes that he met the devil at the crossroads, like at the, the train tracks in the middle of the night. And then he sold his soul to the devil. And then he came back and he could like play the guitar insanely well. And I love his records. Like there, there's definitely a spookiness to them. And I, I don't know where that comes from, but I do know that like, Keith Richards from the Rolling Stones and like Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin. Both of them straight up believe that the devil like inspired um, Robert Johnson and that like they, they like tried, like they like tried to channel that and like, that's pretty well documented in like interviews and stuff. Um, I'm kind of rambling here. I just want people to know the background because I feel like there's, there's a yeah. lot of, it just like there's that vein runs through a lot of modern, especially like yeah. rock music, you know. And then tying that to the 27 Club, Robert Johnson actually died when he was 27. He was supposedly poisoned, um, but he is like the original like 27 Club. Yeah. Member. So he, I didn't, so I actually didn't know that, that he was in the 27 Club. But I mean, you have like Kurt Cobain, Jimi Hendrix, Amy Winehouse. They all died when they're twenty-seven. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's certainly interesting because I I feel like there are people in music who like believe in it and they try and channel it. I'm not one of those people because like I just don't want to touch that stuff. But like, um, there's like <laughs> one of my favorite bands, uh, Queens of the Stone Age they built their whole visual brand off making fun of that idea. Cause they just think it's stupid and it doesn't exist. So like they, they use like a bunch of satanic imagery to like make fun of that, that trope in rock music. Um, so like would, are you op- So Chuck, like are you open to selling your soul to the devil for, for brother to just be like the biggest thing ever? Be honest with me and, and my podcast. I think honestly, I think I already sold my soul, <laughs> and I, just, I have no idea. That's what like the so. that whole like with that story. It was like um, I like said like I am of the devil. So it's like, whoa, did I already do that? That's what I've been thinking lately. It's like, wait, did I already sell my soul? And I like like against my will or something. And I mean, it doesn't. It, like I could have sold it for fame and fortune, but it's like it doesn't say how much fame and how much fortune, you know? Yeah. Which could be, and I'm 27 now. So it's like, I have until February before I die. And, uh, so I mean, stream my music, you know, <laughs> shameless plug. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie to you, Chuck, and please don't die because I love you and we need you for many more years to come. But let's be real about this. Like the best way to become, really really famous and unhecklable as a musician is to die like die young yeah like you look at bands like you look at nirvana what would those dudes be doing now had kurt not killed himself you know yeah whereas fighters probably wouldn't be a thing i don't know if that's true or or not but i mean i just feel like they released three albums that are like lauded as some of the greatest rock music ever recorded. And then they're, they came to this like dramatic abrupt end and in like some mm-hmm. weird sort of sick way that like helped them and preserved. Yeah. Like you never, like some of my favorite rock stars now they're like old and wrinkly and like, they kind of just look like a puddle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like Kurt Cobain, he's like forever young. Like any picture you see of him, he just looks like super attractive and like, hardcore and he doesn't look tired you know yeah that's it's like it's that thing same thing with like i mean obviously michael jackson like he passed away but like later on in his life and i've always thought of that it's just like you a lot of these artists that did die when they were young like they died before they could make any sort of mistake or do make the bad record or 
or have a bad like publicity stunt or something that they did um but like michael jackson it's like yeah he lived for a while and even though he was the king of pop and he's immortalized now like he went through hell and did a bunch of weird things and i mean like britney spears too and yeah. those people that that kind of ended up going crazy with their their fame and fortune i don't know yeah it's almost like you either die Jimi hendrix or you live long enough to be weezer (laughs) (laughs) you're on your like 18th studio album and they're just indistinguishable from one another yeah you gotta start you have to make cover albums yeah for reals you gotta be like releasing (laughs) greatest hits albums with like one extra song playing casinos and stuff yeah i guess like and i don't want to keep you for for too long we know we've been talking for a while but speaking of selling your soul to the devil whether or not that happened in in your sleep paralysis i'm really glad we talked about this on the podcast by the way this is very (laughs) this is very (laughs) saucy material but no but seriously like what i guess what are your career aspirations and what like where do you what's next for you where do you want to see this go yeah I mean, for brother, I just want to take it as far as it can, as far as it can can go, and I like we're on like an upward trajectory. So, I mean, I don't see us stopping that anytime soon. Um, for me personally, I, I want to try to not start other projects, like start other bands, but just like hang out with other songwriters and just make songs and mm-hmm. like we had to do a studio and just have fun and see if we can make stuff happen, which would be cool. And like, if we release it, that's cool. If we don't release it, that's fine. Like it was fun to make and all artistic and whatnot. So do you have any current plans to do any of those side projects or? Um, me and Mason for mend. Um, yeah. We've been, um writing some songs and and recording them and whatnot and they're they're pretty fun like they it's very different from what we do for what i do like with brother uh it's very like back and forth like yeah this is a good idea like or we both have ideas but like we're both not like seeing it so then we don't end up using it or something and instead of just like one person being like yeah this is good let's put it in but yeah it's been really refreshing to to mess around with because he's very like i'm very like organic based like guitar and like if it's gonna be a synth like let's run it through an amp Mm -hmm. uh, at least so like it sounds real um but then he's really good at making synth sounds and drum machines and everything sounds so good which i've I've never been good at so it's kind of a fun mix he's a really talented dude i really i really appreciate what he does, does with music i feel like he'd be really fun I've never worked with him. We're, we're kind of friends, but I've never really like, I've never had the chance to collaborate with him yet. I feel like we haven't really collaborated either, which we should definitely yeah. do at some point, but it uh, should be fun. Um, that's cool. Yeah. I feel like it's fun to, I don't know. I think the thing that's bummed me the, out the most about COVID is the fact that I haven't been able to get in a room with musicians that I don't know and just like yeah. feed off their energy. Yeah. Like, everyone's everyone who talks to me they're like oh you must have so much time to just like write but i feel like and i have been writing but i feel like i get so much inspiration from my relationship with other people that i feel like yeah that feels like it's a little bit not happening right now you know (laughs) yeah the whole like lock yourself lock yourself in a room like with all your gear sounds like a great idea and like it should work but then it feels like it's draining and like it's it's hard to like push things through yeah it's those experiences and and like yeah meeting other people other musicians and just getting inspired by the random things in life yeah i feel like nothing is worse for my psyche than just being alone with my thoughts you know which supposedly i've I've heard this quote like all of man's problems stem from their inability to sit in a room alone with their thoughts and like be okay that's like some famous person said that but um i feel like i can't do that and that's what i love about music is there's like all these broken people in one room just like vibing (laughs) (laughs) like musicians are just like the craziest bunch of humans you know 
but uh yeah. yeah man well um i hope that this single tomorrow blows up because i mean it would make sense for it to blow up because it's your it's your first satanist single so that's that's cool <laughs> yeah yeah so hopefully lucifer gets behind this you know yeah <laughs> that should be your instagram caption like Hey, Lucifer, <laughs> Lucifer uh, backing this. Yeah, sponsored, sponsored by hell. <laughs> sponsored by Hades. Yeah, man. Um, I'm really excited for you, and I'm gonna put some links to your music and stuff in the show notes. Is there anything you want to plug before we before we call it? Um, I think just that single, "Ain't Over You," coming out Friday the thirteenth. Which, hey, that's another thing is that we chose Friday the 13th to make it even more spooky. Dude, I released my album on Friday the 13th in March. What? Yeah. So I feel like it's, that's like a, did you, <laughs> did you, did you have any like problems or anything trying to like upload it or do anything? No, I didn't. I, I lost. That's like my, <laughs> I lost. It's going to just, <laughs> like just disappear out of nowhere <laughs> it's gonna be like the bermuda triangle of spotify just all the music that was supposed to be released just <laughs> gone um, yeah. no dude i feel like lucifer is gonna really make sure that everything goes smoothly for you guys yeah he's uh he's got your back for sure so well awesome dude um i will i'll put the links there and i'm stoked for your new single and I hope that you get past this low point, dude, because your guys' music is awesome. So appreciate you. Thank you. Appreciate you. Thanks, buddy. I will uh, hopefully talk to you soon. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Thanks, man. This was fun. This was way fun. Let's do it again sometime. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Peace, buddy. Talkcast!